Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. This morning, I want to talk about some ways that you can overcome being down and discouraged. Maybe you've been down and discouraged. Maybe it's been part of your family. Maybe it's been part of your life for years. I got good news for you. That is, does not have to be your future. And we want to talk about some ways that you can overcome that, being down and discouraged. We want to break the code on being down and discouraged. A number of years ago, in the 1920s, the U.S. Army and Navy collaborated on a group of crypt- cryptologists who would break codes, code breakers. They called the name of the group Magic. One of the things they began to focus on was the Japanese codes, and they actually broke the codes. In fact, they said this group, Magic, could actually decipher the codes that came in quicker than the the Japanese embassies receiving them. Now, they missed Pearl Harbor. There was a 14-point communication that came out on December 7th, and they were not able to tie it into what was going to happen. What, What they did not miss was the code breakers caught wind of a massive uh, Japanese uh, our Navy who was forming on Midway. And this time, the Navy was ready. And this time, after a three-day battle, they dealt Japan a crippling blow because they knew what was coming, because they'd broken the code. We want to break the code on being down and discouraged. A lot of times we talk a little bit of, well, we talk a lot lately about mental health and people talk about mental health. Let me, say, let me tell you something. God understood mental health before anyone ever became a buzzword. And one of the things that we have to understand is whenever someone has diagnosed you, whatever they've called you, whatever they said is an issue with you, it does not have to be the end. Our mind matters. And we think about things that can cause us to be down and discouraged. Here's one, focusing on the past can cause you to be down and discouraged. If you're focusing on all the things you should have done, all the things you didn't do, I should have bought Apple when it was $50. I should have done, I should have done this. I should have done all these things. And it can really cause you to, to, to be upset and discouraged. We were at, we were at a lake one time that, out, out of the state, and we were just looking at the lake, and all of a sudden these thoughts began to hit me about how I never taught, I didn't take my kids out on the lake, and I didn't teach them how to water ski. And, and Jordan looked at me kind of like, really? Is that really like a thing to get down about? But if you allow it, I want to tell you something, the enemy can torment you about what you did not do in the past. And you just have to, listen, you can't change it now, so don't think about it. Just go on down the road. How about the current situation? Well, I'm going through a difficult time currently, and I, this has caused me to be down and, and discouraged. I understand that. There's a lady who was going on a trip to Europe. Husband was too busy, had to stay home and work, and so she left with a group of her girlfriends. This was in the 80s, and uh, it was before cell phones and texts, and so they agreed she would call at different places just to check in. She's getting ready to leave London, and she calls him from London to see how things are going. He gets on the phone, and if you remember in the 80s, phone bills could get big. And so they're gonna keep the conversation short, and uh, he says, oh, by the way, your cat died. And she's like, really? Did you have to tell me that way? He said, well, how did you want me to tell you? She said, well, you could have broke it to me slowly. Like when I called you from London, you could have told me the cat was on the roof. 
And then when I called you from Paris, you could have told me that the cat hadn't come down from the roof. And then when I called you from Rome, you could tell me that the cat died. He said, oh, I, I see. He said, yeah, just let me down a little bit easier than that. She said, by the way, how's mama? He said, she's on the roof. <laughs> your, your current situation can cause you to be down and, and discouraged. And then one of the biggest challenges I see is with belief about the future. What you believe about your future in particular, what you believe about where you're going can cause you to be down and discouraged. But being down and discouraged has never been God's plan for you. Now, I'm going to repeat that. Being down and discouraged is not God's plan and his will for you. you say, well, Alan, how can you say that? Well, I can say that by watching Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You ever notice Jesus, when he did not leave people discouraged. When Jesus came into a situation, he always injected life into any situation he came into. When people were hungry, he fed them. When they were sick, he healed them. When they were dead, he raised them. He always brought life into situations. And he never left, he never left anyone feeling down and depressed. He never heard anyone go, wow, let's go follow Jesus. I feel so bad after just being around him. He always lifted people. In fact, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But not only what he did, but what he said. Don't you see this verse here? This is in Luke. Jesus is quoting, and he's actually quoting Isaiah. And Isaiah, the 61st chapter, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Would you leave that up there just for a second? He said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. All of these things can be dead ends to people. And Jesus is saying, this is not intended to be a dead end. If you're poor, poverty doesn't have to be the, the end result. It doesn't have to be your future. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Say, Alan, brokenhearted, that's a junior high girl thing. It is not a junior high girl thing. There's a lot of people who are dealing with brokenheartedness. It manifests in different ways, but Jesus said he was sent to heal brokenheartedness, to proclaim liberty to captives. If you're in captive at anything, anything that's held you bound, he's proclaimed liberty and recovery of sight if you're not seeing something. If you're blind, you don't, you don't have the insight to give us sight. Now, here's this next one. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That word oppressed actually is the word downtrodden. To set at liberty people who have been down. You say, well, you know, you're, you sound like you're down on people who are down. No, 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 no. I've lived on that street. I've been down. I've been discouraged. And I can tell you this, when you are down and discouraged, nothing looks good. It is captivity. And it is not good. He said, I've, I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Thank you. This is the plan, and this is what we have to begin to understand. That, listen, when you made Jesus your Lord, you didn't just get heaven when you die. Heaven when you die is worth the whole thing, believe me. Trust me, because eternity is a long time. But there are blessings that God intended for us to have here. But you got to know about them. You got to know if you've been thinking, well, you know, Alan, I come from a family where everybody's just down and depressed. It's kind of our family thing. You know, you know us. We're just, you know, we're just the bummer. We're just Debbie Downers. We're just all down. Does it have to be the future? Well, you know, it's just kind of, no, no, no. 
It doesn't have to be the future. Because Jesus has come that said all these things don't have to be an end. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling captive. Doesn't have to end that way. I'm feeling down. Doesn't have to end that way. He comes to bring life. And he didn't want you down. But you got to find out, you got to find out what's a part of that. A number of years ago, we took a trip. Matt, Matt and Kelly had been married just about a year. And we took a trip and we went down to... Uh, Sorry, it's all the snot rag had stuck out of my pocket. A lot of the boat. We went down to the beach, and we went to a resort. We felt like the Beverly Hillbillies at the resort. I mean, it was the nicest place we'd ever stayed. We walked in, and we were kind of like, "Shoe doggies, Jethro, look at this, man!" It's just, you just, wow. And and they had these beautiful towels there, all wrapped up in these. Had the logo of the place on it. I, I'm talking nice towels, not the towels that Joy would get at Walmart that were so, it took four of them to get you dried off. I mean, these were, these were big fluffy towels. They weren't like the Holiday Inn towels you used to see where, you know, this with the big green stripe. I mean, these were just nice, big, beige, fluffy towels. And when we left, I'm, I'm packing up the towels. <laughs> and Joy saw me packing up the towels and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking the towels. <laughs> she said, you can't take the towels. You're, we don't do that. You're a pastor. So hang, hang tight here, guys. Uh, being a pastor has nothing to do with it. Being a Christian means you don't steal stuff. But I just told her, I said, no, I, I'm, now I'm messing with her. I'm having fun with this. I said, no, I'm taking these towels. She's like, you can't do that. I said, I'm doing it, packing them up. See, what, what Joy didn't know is when I checked in, the lady at the check-in said, oh, and by the way, Mr. Clayton, here at this resort, the towels there are our gift to you. As much as we paid, they should have been their gift to us, but it was, it was, they're our gift to you. I knew that they were part of the deal. Joy did not know they were part of the deal. So I'm just, I'm, man, I'm having fun with this. I'm like, no, I'm taking these towels. These are good towels. I like these towels. And she's like, I'm calling the front desk. She called the front desk. She said, my husband, you can hear a little joy. My husband said that, um, that the towels were a gift and that, that we could take those. And the lady said, yes, Mrs. Clayton, that's exactly right. Those towels are our gift to you and you're, you're welcome to have it. And she hung up the phone and I'm like, hey, mic drop. Have we got a mic drop here? <laughs> took a, you took, I took the, took, the, took the W on for the home team right here. Oh, she, she was so mad. She didn't know that the towels were part of the deal. I knew that the towels were part of the deal. They were going home with me. Listen, when you made Jesus your Lord, freedom is a part of the deal that you don't have to be down. You don't have to be discouraged. So take the towels. This lady in the Bible, her name was Hannah. Hannah was going through probably just a very difficult time. She's discouraged, she's down. She's, uh, she's in what I would call a blended family nightmare. She is married to a guy and he has two wives, but it's not an ex-wife, both wives, same household. Oh, that's, that's trouble. And not only that, but the other wife, her name was Panaya. She's mean, just mean woman. And she had children and Hannah had no children. And Panaya used to rub it in her face that she had no children. The Bible said she severely tormented her rival. She considered Hannah a rival. She's writing on Facebook, hey, 
having a, having a birthday party for my two-year-old. You and your kids are welcome to come. Oh, for God, you don't have kids. <laughs> Just mean-spirited stuff. And every year they would go up to, to Shiloh and they would, they would give offerings. And it was a time of, of worship and a time of, of feasting. And every year, Hannah's reminded that she doesn't have children and it's eating her up. And uh, her rival, Panaya, is not helping. She keeps, she keeps poking her on this. See what happens. Elkanah, that was her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting by the, the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. And he confronted her on it. And she spoke back. She said, Don't, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaining grief I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Here's someone who was really down, really discouraged, but she got some help. Now here's one thing we do know about Hannah. Hannah had overlooked the fact that there really was a blessing in her life. Her husband loved her. And in a day where women were often treated like property, he treated her well. He loved her. <laughs> in fact, he did the typical male thing. He's like, hey, honey, why are you sad? You got me? <laughs> I'm better than 10 kids. <laughs> Don't try that at home. It, 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 it didn't work. And, but he cared enough about her that she, she actually overlooked the fact that she was loved. But she had a problem, but at least she went and took it to God. So she went and prayed. And she really just poured out her heart before God. She told God what was causing her problem. She just poured her heart out. But she didn't stop there. She asked God for something. God, would you give me a child? And then she did something else. She said, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. She made a vow. She said, no razor will come upon his head. Actually, in the Old Testament, someone who did not shave their hair was considered a Nazarite. Samson was a Nazarite. So she said, he, he will be dedicated to the Lord all the days of his life. Well, as she's praying, she's just, her mouth is moving, and Eli the priest thinks she's drunk. And so Eli, Eli confronts her on it, like, hey, you need to put that wine, you need to put that wine up, girl. You can't come to church drunk. And uh, she said, no, 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 I'm not drunk. And she said, out of, out of anguish, she said, I'm praying, I'm, I'm hurting. She's a hurting lady. She said, I'm hurting. And Eli said something very interesting. He said, he said, go and the Lord grant you your petition. Hannah never told him that she'd ask anything from the Lord. So Eli was speaking by inspiration. See, back in the Old Testament, the only people who had the gift of the Holy Spirit were the prophet, the priest, and the king. Thank God we live in another day where everyone can come in and be born of the Spirit and be equipped by the Holy Spirit. What a gift we have. 
so we don't have to go to a priest or a pastor. Man, the Holy Spirit can live and help us and teach us. Oh, what a blessing. But that day, it was the priest. And when, when Eli the priest spoke that word to her, God grants you your petition, she took that as a promise from God. Man, she just grabbed on it. She's like, I got this. And she, the Bible said that her face was no longer sad. So before she got pregnant, before she was showing, before she held a baby, the sadness left her because she had connected with God on his promise. And because she believed that her future was going to be different, took the sadness away. Boy, there's a great principle there. You say, what happened to Hannah? Well, nine months later, she had a baby boy named Samuel. And she, she held on to Samuel for about three, they, they guessed between three and four years. And between three and four years old, she took that little boy, Samuel, and she took him to the priest, Eli, and she presented that little guy and said, I gave this boy to the Lord. The Lord granted me this child. I gave, she left him there. Can you imagine leaving your three or four-year-old there? Left him there. She'd see him once a year when they would come to do the, the worship and the sacrifice. One time a year would bring him a little, little cloak. She left her child. You're thinking, well, man, that's, that's cruel. God just he took her child. No, no, no. She gave. And you know what the Lord did for her? He gave her five more kids. Now, some of you are thinking, that is so not a blessing, but it actually is. <laughs> that, that's, that's, a, that's a blessing. He gave her five more. Can I tell you, you will never outgive God. She gave that child. And Hannah turned out to be a happy woman. How can we break the code on being down and discouraged? Boy, and that's something you want to break. That's not God's plan. He doesn't want that for you. How can you break the code of that? Well, let me give you some ideas here. Some just practical ideas. One, you need to reduce the triggers. Reduce the triggers in your life that work directly against you. Reduce those things in your life that, that impact you in a negative way. Let me, I'm going to give you three, but I want you, I want you to hear me real clearly. The first one is people. Not, not, if, you're, if your mind just went directly to your spouse, I, I need you to drop that thought. <laughs> I'm talking about the other people in our lives, some of whom we're around them, and they are intentionally mean. They intentionally bring us down. Some are just ignorant. They're, you know, some people do things with their eyes wide open. Some people think, do them, they don't realize. Joy's grandmother, a little Italian, little Italian lady, she, about, she was about this tall. She was tiny, man, less than four feet. I felt like a basketball player when I married Joy's family. I'm like, me and the pygmies. There they were. It was a, they were just tiny. And uh, she was tiny. She was a tough little lady. And uh, she saw a friend, Rose. She hadn't seen Rose in years. They grew up together in New York. And she saw Rose and she said, Rose, she said, what happened to you? You used to be so beautiful. <laughs> That's not nice. And Joyce said the whole family was like, <gasps> but she didn't mean, she, that's just, it wasn't being, trying to be unkind. That was just ignorant. There's some people who say things they don't mean it. Some people say things they're intentional, they're unkind. And those are the ones you have to begin to reduce them and you're like, reduce their input. And being around them, it's like, every time I get around these people, I'm just down. <laughs> well, then don't get around them as much. Here's, here's another thing, and this is a real big one. Avoid, here's a trigger. Avoid the social comparison trap. Social media can be a real bummer. 
if you go on social media and you have some people who are masters at brand management and now they're showing all the wonderful things that they're doing and the vacations they're going on and trips they're taking, things they're doing for their kids and how they're dressed and their clothes. And every time you see that, you begin to think, man, their life is so much better than mine and their life is great and it causes you to be down. And if it causes you to be depressed, listen, you have no idea what's going on inside their home. You don't know. Some people are really good at brand management making everything look wonderful. But if it's causing, and it is causing problems in our society because now people just can't connect with a small group of people. Now they're connected with thousands of people. And you're realizing, man, my life is not that good. Your life is not that bad, but you're comparing. There will always be people who are doing better than you. Always. And if you're comparing yourself, man, that is a trap. And the last one is this. You've got to be careful for Media, music, and, and internet. Music, media, and you say music, what do you mean music? Uh, listen, if you're going through a difficult time, if you're discouraged, you do not want to go play music from your, from your high school days. It's like, oh, I remember, man, I, high school, things were so good in high school. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> you had acne and no one liked you. So let, let's, uh... <laughs> but sometimes we go, we look back and we're like, Man, this is, you know, it was so much better. Or, you know how music can trigger memories and you remember something, you, someone in your life. No, 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 no. And, and media, oh, come on. If it's making you angry, if it's making you down, cut it off. Just don't, just don't watch it. Just, just turn it off. Say, well, what can I watch? Listen, it, there's, there's good sermons on. There's praise and worship music. So well, I don't want to watch that. Well, listen, you don't want to stay down either. Find something that puts some life in you, not something that sucks the life out of you. Something that is, is going to be beneficial. Listen, there's this guy named Dan McLaughlin. He went to, he went to a, a bagpipe competition, which sounds amazingly riveting. But anyway, he went to this <laughs> bagpipe competition and because he was Scottish and he said, he said all the judges had their hands over their ears like this. He thought, I thought these guys liked bagpipe music. He said, they did. But what happens is bagpipes, when they're inflated, they make a droning sound. And the melody's played over the top of it. And so what the judges determined was by putting their hands over their ears, it drowned it out some of those low tones so they could actually hear the melody that's being played. We live in a world where there is a negative drone going on all the time. It's negative. It's fearful. It's pumping bad things into you. You need to put your hands over your ears so you can hear what God's saying. You can hear something good. You can hear something positive. And especially don't let that drone be your own words. Your own words. Constantly talking down and discouraged. Reduce the triggers. Add some gratitude. Gratitude, intentional gratitude. You know what gratitude does is gratitude helps us focus on the things in our life that are right. So we focus on what's right. And gratitude, to be intentional also, it, it helps us keep the right thoughts in our mind. Say, well, is that important? It's really important. There's a proverb that says this, I like this. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones healthy. Listen, when, when, there's, when there's gratitude and you're beginning to focus on what's right, that's like light to you. But when you begin to focus on everything that's wrong, man, that, that, that'll bring you down. They have done study after study after study on gratitude. 
fact, a guy did a study, he's a psychologist, did a study called the Count Your Blessing Study. There's an old, there's an old hymn years ago that says, um, when life's billows have you tempest-tossed, when you're, di when you're discouraged and you feel that all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So this psychologist took a, two groups, the control group, he said, don't do anything different. And then he took the other group. He said, every night before you go to bed in a journal, I want you to write down some of the blessings, some of the good things that happened to you and some of the good things you have in your life. At the end of that study, it, the control group, nothing changed with them. But this group had started expressing gratitude. They were happier. They were healthier. They were, they were emotionally and, fit, and they were stronger. It just blessed them. You talk about something that's been vetted by science. Science will tell you over and over and over again, count your many blessings, that's cutting edge science. That actually will help you live a happier life. 90% of the Americans believe that gratitude will make you happier and healthier. Less than 50% are actually expressing it. But here's the advantage we have as believers. See, we have an advantage. We're not trying to speak gratitude into the air or into the universe. We're not speaking that. We know who we're thanking. And we can say, Lord, I want to thank you for the things in my life that are good. I got up this morning. Usually pastors hate rain because it keeps people out of church. But I got up and I said, Lord, I'm thank you because I'm glad the temperature has dropped. I'm glad it has rained. I'm glad we have online for the people who can't make it in. There's always something you can be glad about and there's always something you can be sad about. But when you choose to be grateful, you're putting yourself in the light. You're putting yourself in a much better place and gratitude is definitely the way you want to go. So just expressing some gratitude intentionally keeps you from overlooking the wrong. I was thinking the other day, have you ever had an ingrown toenail? Anybody ever, hands up, anybody who's ever had an ingrown toenail? Do those suckers hurt or what? They hurt. And if you're not careful, that's all you'll think about all day. It's my toe, it's my toe, it's my toe, it's my toe, it's my toe. Everything else is perfect, but my toe is my toe. It's like, you're like my toe. What's wrong? I have a toenail. It's an ingrown toenail. And Lord, Lord knows if somebody steps on it because then, then it's, we are not responsible for what we do to you if you step on an ingrown toenail. But what happens is we get so focused on the one thing that's wrong, we forget everything else is working right. And gratitude just helps us go, Lord, I want to thank you that it's only one ingrown toenail, and I want to thank you that the rest of me is working good. You say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. No, that's the way you stay happier, and that's the way you keep from being down and discouraged. You got to break the code. And here's one thing that can really help. Regardless of what you're dealing with, bring God in. Get him involved. Say, well, I'm going to a counselor. Good. You can still get God involved. Well, I'm taking medication. Good. But I'm still getting God involved. That's not going to offset that. Go pray. Ask the Lord for help. What it says in James. James, James gave some real good advice. Is, is there anyone among you suffering? And if you're down and discouraged, that's suffering. Let him pray. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. That's a great package. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here, here's something, this is a real good tip. When you're praying and asking God to help you, pray for somebody else too. Pray for somebody else that's hurting. Pray. Listen, there's a lot of hurting people around you. You can just get involved with doing that. But here's the deal. When you begin to ask God for help, he will often give you a promise just like he gave Hannah. He'll give you a promise that you can hold on to. Something. And when you hold on to that, man, that gives you something solid. I, I've told this story numerous times before, but my mother was in a very similar situation to Hannah. I had made Jesus my Lord at 18, and between my sophomore, uh, freshman and sophomore year of college, I'd gotten gloriously born again, just had a great experience with the Lord. I went back to college, and I did not have a good church. I did not have any Christian friends. Listen, that's, although that's not an excuse, I'm going to tell you something. We need each other, and we need church, and, we, and I didn't have it, and boy, I fell away from the Lord a long way. Pretty soon, I am back to the life I was living before I knew the Lord. It looked horrible. And my mother, who's a wonderful believer, she's in heaven now. She was heartbroken, just heartbroken. She couldn't sleep one night, just worrying about me and thinking about me and my sister, who's also away from the Lord. She got up one night, and she's just crying out to the Lord. She's kind of doing what Hannah's doing. Listen, God is not going to reject you if you cry out to him and tell him, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me here. And she just began to cry out to the Lord, and she, she got quiet, and, and she was looking in her Bible. And in Isaiah 44, verses 3 through 5, she said, she told me, Lady said, those verses just jumped off the page at her. And it said that I will pour water on him who is thirsty and my springs upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing upon your offspring. And one will call himself by the Lord. The other will call himself by the name of Jacob. I'm not quoting that directly, but that's three through five. She said when she read those promises, she knew that was the Lord speaking to us. You know, he still does that. He still gives us promises. If you'll ask him, and my mom wasn't in full-time ministry. I wasn't a pastor. I was a, I was a college student living pretty wild. And God gave her a promise that she could hold on to. People asked, did it change your mom? Actually, it did. My mom just settled. She calmed down some. Usually when I would come home, she would, she would always like, she was always trying to get Jesus into the conversation. It's a beautiful day. Jesus made the day. I know, I know that, Mom. I know. I just. It calmed her down because now she had something she could hold on to. She had a promise that she could hold on to. Three years later, three years later, I'm down in Houston, Texas. And I, 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 you know, many of you know our story about how I met Joy and that, how that brought me back to the Lord. And I was reading the scriptures one day, right after I'd come back to the Lord, and I was reading the scriptures, and I, and I realized because Joy and I were going to be separated. She was going back to Florida. I was going to be living in Houston. We were going to be separated. And I read where, where Jacob, went, because of his love for Rachel, even though he had to work seven years for her, the years seemed like days because of his love for her. And I went, oh, that's me, man. And I'm like, that's me. And I called my mother. And, and, I, and I, we hadn't talked in a while. Remember, this, this is the 80s. It was expensive. And uh, I, I called my mom. I said, Mom, have you been praying for me? She said, I'm always praying for you, son. I said, well, I don't want to let you know I've given my, my heart to the Lord. I'm back. And I met a girl. I believe it's the girl I'm supposed to marry. We're going to be separated. But you know, Mom, I feel just like Jacob. Just like Jacob. 
My mother got off the, the phone. Of course, she's crying. She got off the phone, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her heart. And one shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Right down to the letter. Right down to the letter. Twenty years later, my sister comes back in. A promise to hold on to. You talk about something that can break the code on being down and discouraged. When God gives you something to hold on to, you hang on. Because that's something you can hold on to and it's solid. It worked for my mom. It worked for Hannah. It'll work for you too. Would you bow your head for a moment? If you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've said, you know what, Alan, I don't know that I even have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure about that. Or maybe you were like I was. You had a relationship, you'd fallen away, and you recognize, I want to come back. We're going to say a very simple prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. If you're here, you can pray this with us. If you're online, by yourself, pray it. You can pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But this is such a good prayer, such an important prayer, such a marvelous promise that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I'm I, I'm not where I want to be with the Lord. I'm not where I should be. And I want to come back. I want to make this right. Would you pray for me real quick? Slip your hand up just across the, the auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you didn't lift your hand, you really wanted to. You can, you can still pray this prayer with us. It's a hard prayer. We're going to pray it with you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. Father, thank you. For those that prayed that prayer, for those who come out of darkness into light, for those who have come back home, Father, we rejoice with them. And we give you all the praise for what you're going to do in your life. For the rest of us, Father, thank you. That living down and discouraged has never been your plan for your children. Thank you for what we have. Thank you. We can take the towels. We can take the whole thing. And we can walk with you free from this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.